Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode, episode 25 of Swinging from the Hip. It looks like I'm all by myself. So if you don't want to hear me singing, make sure you get some comments in there, too, to talk about Righty, anywho, on with the show. As I said, we'll look at the disastrous White Ferns tour of Australia. We'll do an IPL update, and then we'll try and get into some of those um, discussions around anything that you've got out there that you want to talk about. As you said, if you don't want to hear me sing, better get some comments going into those uh, into the chat rooms, and I'll try and keep a track of that as well. And in some breaking, so I was not sure. As I said, not sure who's going to be joining me tonight, if anybody. So I'll start with some breaking news, and um, this is going to be the last show of Swinging from the Hip. Well, on a Thursday, that is. Next week, we'll be having a week off. I'm just going to move that across there. There we go. We're going to have a week off to rejig our studios and get the new set ready, and we'll be back on Monday night from the 19th of August. Now, with the cricket season on us here in New Zealand, it's difficult for our regular guests to come on Thursday shows as they usually got coaching on or even if and even more so the Prem's training's going and they're involved with that. So uh, we're looking to move on until Monday nights and hopefully with that scheduling, we'll be able to get our guests um, available and onto the show. So uh, just remember that we'll be off here next Thursday, but returning on the 19th of October and uh, put that in date in your diary. Now, Back to normal transmission. We kick off as we normally do with this week in history. So we're going along to the 3rd of October in 1996. South Africa scored one of its biggest ODI victories to that point with a 202-run victory over Kenya. South Africa made 305 for eight and then bowled Kenya out inside 26 overs. 2007 on the same day to Mark, Mark Boucher. I was going to say Boucher, but Mark Boucher broke Ian Healy's record of 395 dismissals to become the oh, become the uh, wicketkeeper with the most dismissals in Test cricket. He got there in his 103rd Test match, which was 16 Test matches fewer than Ian Healy. He lost it to Adam Gilchrist, but he got it back and is still top of the table with 555 dismissals. Moving on to the 4th of October, 
1996. And this day, is Shahid Afridi broke the record, or then record, for the fastest 100 in one-day history. Promoted to pinch hit at number three in his first ODI innings, Afridi savaged Sri Lanka in the KCA Centenary Tournament match in Nairobi. He took only 37 balls to reach three figures, comfortably beating Sanath Jasaria's existing record of 48 balls. That's a bit of pyrotechnics happening there. Now, we had uh, Mark Boucher uh, getting the uh, record for the most test dismissals as a wicketkeeper. In 1998, Ian Healy got the world record for the most test dismissals off Rod Marsh. He broke the then world record of 355, and he went on, as I alluded to before, to 395 before Mark Boucher eclipsed that. Moving on to the 4th of October 1999, and rain in Colombo helped Sri Lanka salvage a draw on the final day of the third test. It was good news for Sri Lanka as it helped them secure their first ever test victory over Australia. Now, that wasn't just any old side. It was Steve War's Australian side, which went on to win 16 test matches in a row after that point. Moving along to the 5th of October, 1952 saw the birth of arguably Pakistan's greatest cricket player, Imran Khan. And I'm sure if uh, Taz was here, we'd, we'd, we'd be able to get a bit uh, of how, how how he sort of uh, sees Imran Khan as uh, one of the, as, as it would it be the greatest um, cricket player that Pakistan's had, or would it be someone else, like maybe Javed Dad even? So that would have been an interesting debate to have. On the in 2009, another case of New Zealand making it to a final and then not getting the chocolates, this time in the Champions Trophy against Australia. Uh, that was uh, oh, just even more disappointing, losing to Australia. Australia cruising to the target quite easily in that one. 6th of October, 1930, a simply marvellous day that saw the birth of Richie Benno. Many of us won't remember seeing him play, but remember the voice. Same day, a few years later, his commentating buddy, Tony Gregg, was born in 1946. Now, here's a good one. 2018 saw 19-year-old Prithvi Shaw become the youngest Indian to score a century on debut, which was also India's biggest test victory by an innings and 272 runs against the West Indies. Same On, on the same day, 6th of October 2013, in the IPL, uh, when the IPL winners Mumbai, sorry, not in the IPL, IPL winners Mumbai got their second Champions League title, this time beating the Rajasthan Royals. And this match was also rather significant because it was the last match of IPL or T20 cricket at IPL level for Sachin Tendulkar and Rahul Dravid. 7th of October in 2012, West Indies pick up the World T20 title, beating Sri Lanka and Colombo. Quite comfortably in the end, after scoring 137, they bowled Sri Lanka out for a rather disappointing 101. In 1979, Jeff Dimmick became the third bowler and the first Australian to dismiss all 11 batsmen. Didn't help Australia, though, as they went on to lose the match against India. Coming on, rounding everything out on the 8th of October, 1997, Azam Mahmood and Mushtaq Ahmed equaled the test record for the last wicket with a partnership of 151. They equaled the record set by Brian Hastings and Richard Collins uh, for New Zealand in 1972. And in 1969, on the 8th of October, New Zealand scored its first ever test win on the subcontinent. 
They wrapped up the test, uh, wrapped up the victory, I should say, on the final day in 40 minutes as India collapsed to be all out for only 109. And that was uh, our new Today in History for this week as we move along to what's actually happening in the present. Well, sort of. It's this week in the news. So what's happened this week? Well, the IPLs continued this week and with some big scores being put on the board. And we'll dive into those a little bit later in the show. We'll also talk about how Australia have dominated New Zealand in the ODI series, with New Zealand absolutely capitulating in the final match, which was just played yesterday. News just coming to hand as we're going to air, actually, and some just a couple of hours ago. Plunkett Shield in New Zealand will start on the 18th of October. Now, still trying to confirm this, but apparently all matches are going to be played at three venues, Eden Park, Seddon Park, and the Basin Reserve. So that'll be interesting if that is correct and what the reasoning is behind that, considering that all of New Zealand is now at level one. So we did have um, Super Rugby Aotearoa that was played at level one earlier this year and we had crowds and we went right around the country. So it will be interesting to see what the reasonings are there behind three venues, if that is in fact the case. Now moving along, and Ben Stokes has returned to the IPL after spending time with his sick father in Christchurch. He has now been sitting in quarantine for six days and will be apparently available for the game tomorrow between the Royals and the Capitals. As reported on the morning sports briefing this morning, Australia and India will start off with a pink ball test in Adelaide. But before they get to that pink ball test, that they will start off with white ball ODIs and T20s. The IDIs will be played in Brisbane and the T20s in Adelaide. So that could be a quite a lot of uh, cricket all in one go for Adelaide, going from the T three two twenties, three two twenties, through to the pink ball test match. Now all of this is waiting to be approved by the state governments, but in, considering that most of Australia is fairly open now outside of uh, Victoria. Um, I'm expecting that this schedule will be approved. Bangladesh have created an internal competition to keep things going after the postponement of the Sri Lanka tour. They'll basically have three teams um, that will be led by three of their internationals uh, and be playing it over the October period. Moving on to a bit of the back road, backroom sort of shenanigans and FICA, the Federation of International Cricketers Associations, are putting more problems on the table of the ICC, asking for a bigger slice of the pie for players. Now, key to the argument is the unauthorised use of player images in the promotion of cricket. So obviously there are big dollars rolling in for cricket and it seems like players are missing out on some of that revenue as their images are used effectively illegally uh, in the promotion of the game. And finally, after the sad passing of Dean Jones last week, which we brought to you in last week's show, he was farewelled at a private service and a final visit to the MCG, where music from Elton John and NXS was played over the PA system. Now, if you're not aware, Elton John and NXS band members are great friends of Dean Jones. Also, it was a rather small private affair because it was held in Victoria, and they're still limited to, I think it's around 10 people per funeral. So just close family and obviously friends there for that. To farewell Dean Jones, one of Australia's greatest. And that was our news this week. So let's head in to 
the uh, cricket that we were played, and we are zooming along in the show tonight, and not not uh, surprisingly, as I'm uh, going solo again. So make sure we get some comments in there, guys, um, so if I can um, digress onto some of those comments that you might have around cricket as well. Just have a bit of a slip of water. Uh, try and keep that throat going, otherwise we're going to run out of voice as well. Now, as I mentioned earlier, uh, the White Ferns have absolutely had a horrendous um, tour of Australia. They did pick up a consolation win in the T20, which we talked about, T20 series that we talked about last week, but things have only got worse in the ODI series. If we look, I'll bring up the old scoreboard, Miss Ford, and as you can see there, you can actually see the uh, one of the T20s there. But um, if you focus, I don't know. Oh, my mouse is coming up there. That's brilliant. Uh, look, we, we let's start off with the first um, first ODI. New Zealand bowled out for 180. It was a very uh, poor performance there to start it off, and I, I think it really set the tone going forward. If we just dig into the scorecard there. We look again, pretty low scores. Um, nobody really taking taking uh, sort of command of anything, right? Katie, towards the latter part of the innings, when things are starting to look a bit dire, anyway, got Katie Perkins, Maddie Green with 32 and 35 respectively, um, and and then basically just getting rolled for 180, not even batting out the 50 overs. So that's, you know, by today's standards, that's pretty poor form for the white firms. Um, and we move on to Australia. And really, look, there's no, not a lot of pressure there. Um, Alyssa Healy coming on. She really did smack the ball around a bit um, to get the innings underway uh, before she lost her wicket. And then you've got Rachel Haynes, who um, uh, I'll jump to the jump to the end. And so like Rachel Haynes, who was actually named player of the series, um, with her scores uh, in the preceding games as well. So as we can see, Australia never really under pressure in that chase and easily getting to the target of 181 with, look, you're looking at about over 16 overs left there in the innings. So rather comfortable innings in that first ODI for Australia. And then we moved on to the second. Let's just get there we go. Bring the scorecard up. Better showing from the um, for, for, from New Zealand, but the, the problem here still remains lack of acceleration. The the um, the pitch was a good one, and you will see this when we come to the third third and final ODI. The pitch is a good pitch, and um, we can even see that when we go back to the first ODI when Australia scored 181 and basically at about 34 overs. Um, and and we can see here good scores from Sophie Devine, Amy Satterthwaite. And, um, you know, with a 79 60, and a 69 from uh, Southsweight. But again, look look at the tail, basically. When we needed to accelerate to really sort of ram home the advantage that was there, um, the, the basically the batting just fell away miserably, actually. And it's really disappointing when you look at that scorecard where the tail end really didn't offer anything. And if we can just look at the fall of wickets, we're at, with about six overs to go, we're sitting at 203. So you'd sort of sort of thinking, you know, you go at maybe sort of eights there or thereabouts, and you could sort of get through to a, a rather competitive total. 252 looked good at the half time, I suppose, at the break after 180-odd in the first ODI. But really, again, 
no big challenge for the Aussies. When we look at Healy again getting Australia off to a quick start, and then Rachel Haynes, who I've mentioned before, player of the series, um, going on to make 82. And I think really the series was summed up um, in the way, if I just bring, where's it gone? It's just, uh, sorry, I'll just bring that back again. It just jumped, I think. Just jumped off what I wanted to. Well, we can see there with Meg Lanning. Now, Meg Lanning needed three runs to score her 100. They needed one, Australia needed one run to win. And New Zealand didn't have the competitive edge to try and stop her getting to the century. And it's just like gave her a, a ball outside off wide and she just basically guided it through the inner ring down to the boundary to get her 100 and and Aussie the win. They only needed one run. And it basically summed it up for me in the fact is that where was the fight? Where was the, 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 the fight to be able to stop the Australian player getting to a century? It's always a landmark. And it's just basically disappointing. Um, I don't know. This is like Aaron sort of saying, um, you know, there's a lack of depth and skill. Yeah, I, I suppose there is when you're playing the best. But the fact for me is that there's actually a lack of fight. Um, they're going up against the best. And that's when you want to, as if, you, if you're going in there and you're sort of thinking, hey, we're, we're underdogs. That's when you raise your game. It's not when you fall away. It's not when you say, oh, it's Australia, we're going to lose anyway. They, they, they went into these T20s and into these ODIs talking about how it's the best preparation they can have. They're going to have a two-week two lockdown, which was the biggest preparation to any series they've ever had. This is the way they put it. I'm not putting it this way. They put it this way, the team. And they had that preparation time and they basically capitulated in the T20 series and the ODIs. They picked up this win in the in the T20 in the last game, but then Australia had basically done a bit of rotation as well when, with that final T20 game. So we see there Australia again comfortably winning. Look, look at that, five overs to spare. And I suppose when you look at that five overs to spare, when they batted first in the, um, in the third and final uh, ODI, there's no surprise that they made it through to 325. This is like, that was just, it's an it's amazing score. But when you also take into fact, look, so let's let's just go through the scorecard first anyway. Rachel Haynes again with a 96. Uh, Alyssa Healy, Alyssa, Alyssa Healy with 87. No fall of wicket until the 25th, nearly the 26th over. Um, Australia racking up 144 runs for the first wicket. And really, the platform was laid. Four simple dropped catches, many num numerous misfields, balls through the legs, going through the boundary. Again, lack of fight and just a lack of effort. Uh, and then it was no surprises when we come down to the New Zealand innings and it's just like, here we go, all out in the 27th over for 93. And it's just like, that's. I'm sorry, that's just embarrassing. That's going back. That's taking New Zealand women's cricket back a long time. You know, I, I, in fact, it might even be doing disservice to the guys that have, the guys, to the ladies that have come in the previous, um, you know, years gone by when they've basically put an effort like that. That's just very disappointing. You look at Southwaite putting in a good showing there with forty-one, uh, Maddie Green with twenty-two, but really they're the only two players that got over six runs in the inning. 
So a very disappointing effort there from the White Ferns. A lot of soul searching for them to do. You know, you want people, if, if you're going to come back, if you're going to go on and say, we want people to come and watch our games, you have to put in a better effort than this. You're not going to be able to get people through the turnstiles watching women's cricket if this is the competitive edge that that's gonna they're going to go and watch. It's not going to happen. They need to really go back and look in the mirror. And I'm probably sounding a bit hard on this, but if the men had played this badly, we would be digging into them big time. And I don't see the difference. If we want to talk about equality, this is equality. This is about lifting your game. This is about being better and making sure that you put in a better performance than what this was. This was absolutely shocking. That's enough of that, though. We're going to move on. It's uh, depressing as it is. We're going to go to the IPL now. So the IPL cracked on again this week, second week. And uh, we've seen some great games happen this week. I mean, it, it's interesting. Just it, We saw the earlier part of the week. We saw some big scores being scored. We've carried on from the first week where we saw some scores in the 200s. And we looked at it, and I know we talked about it with, um, with Taz, and Sharjah is basically a postage stamp, and you get big scores there. It's a small ground. But we're actually seeing um, some big scores at the other ground. And we haven't, I haven't seen any of the footage, to be honest. I've only been following the scores through, um, from the scoreboards and actually watching ball by ball on, uh, on, on, on cricket websites. So don't know whether the ropes have been bought in um, or not. But, uh, like, for example, there's been some big scores. Over 200 scored at Abu Dhabi as well. So there's um, big scores outside of Sharjah being scored as well. So if we go into our first game that we're looking at, we've got a couple of games here to look at. Two cracking games on the 3rd of October. I'm just going to cycle through to the 3rd of October here on the old screeny thing here and uh, bring the scoreboard up there and bring it up on screen there. Now, this wasn't one of the big scores, but it was actually, I, I said, two cracking games on the 3rd of October. Very close, only four runs in it. And obviously, um, Rajasthan Royals falling short only by five runs. So a cracking game there. Absolutely. Actually, no, I've got this around the wrong way. Sorry, because I'm reading it wrong. It's actually Rajasthan Royals getting up over. So the ba Royal Ch Challenges Bangalore getting up over the Rajasthan Royals. This is like the, the Royals scoring 154 for six. Um, looking like um, a pretty... Um, Good score at the time when they first started off um, with the with the challengers chasing, but um, in the end, it's just like the the challengers just basically paced their long uh, the innings all the way along. They didn't really start out of the blocks fast, and they didn't really accelerate. They just carried on ticking over, and um, they basically got it with only five the score with five balls to spare, but only two lost wickets. So pretty comfortable. They kept the run chase under control all the way along, and so that was. Um, the challengers getting up over the Royals in that one. Now, moving on to that 3rd of October one where they actually played two games in a day because uh, most days they're actually just playing the one game. So I'm just going down and look, see, now it's jumped. Let's go back to the 3rd. Where's it gone? There it is. There we go. <clears throat> now, this is a little bit deceptive. Uh, two massive scores coming up for um, Delhi Capitals and KKR. Um, Delhi Capitals batting first, and Britt V. Shaw, who got a mention uh, in our Today in History 
um, with the youngest um, debutant to score a test century for uh, India. He went to score 66 there for the Capitals. Um, and we can see uh, Shreyas Iyer getting 88. But look at the strike rates. Amazing strike rates. 231. Rishabh Pant coming in with 38 at 223 strike rate. So great strike rates coming in there. And even with Pratif Shaw, is 160, not shabby at all. So all the way down, you're seeing some pretty high strike rates coming in. If we move down to the Knight Riders, now the Knight Riders got close at 210, but to, to be honest, actually, they, they probably, it looks a bit closer than it was. Um, they got a few runs late in that innings uh, through uh, Owen Morgan and uh, Rahul Tripathi. Um, I've said it, uh, yeah, so basically, yeah, getting some run late we look at those owen morgan at 244 and tripati is at 225 so sort of hitting the ball around towards the end when they're really getting into a bit of trouble so but again massive scores happening 200 plus so we're seeing 400 runs scored in a game so quite a big effort there now we move on with those 200 run scores coming along and quite the next day we got it so 4th of October, and we've got the Mumbai Indians this time. Racking up 208. And this the, again, if we look at the uh, strike rates coming through, Quinton de Kock this time, because we, interesting, we're seeing Quinton de Kock, and also when we come to have a look at the highest run scorers, um, some interesting, the top two highest run scorers, but we'll get to that a bit later. Quinton de Kock. Um, coming in with 67 off 39, because we're seeing a lot of um, Indian batsmen actually performing really well in this tournament. And it's not um, not just the uh, internationals that have come in, the hide guns that are coming in and scoring the runs. So quite consistent through that scorecard for the Indians, and they got through the 208. Um, but uh, basically for the Sunrisers, never really in it sort of thing, to be honest. They, they sort of got off to a good start. David Warner... And uh, Johnny Besto, but if you look at Warner's strike rate, sort of not—I mean, not low—but when you're chasing 200, um, it's not exactly high either. So you probably want to be around that 160, 170 mark as a minimum when you're chasing 200. So it leaves a little bit at the for the tail to do. And as we can see, with that, that sort of got them unstuck a little bit. So maybe they need to go a bit harder early on to try and relieve that pressure that was put on towards the tail. And we can see. So we can see uh, David Warner probably is, is getting a decent score for a change. Um, and, yeah, but they're falling short on 174. And the final match that we're going to look at, um, I'll just back the truck up here. Beep, beep, beep. And on the fifth, we've got uh, CSK versus the Kings Eleven. So if I'll bring that one up there. And where's the scorecard? There's the scorecard. And we can see, basically, we've got um, Kings 11. Wouldn't have been too unhappy at 178 for four. Um, at the halfway point, we've got Kale Rowell, who's been absolute fire um, during this tournament, racking up a 63. But look at that strike rate. Probably needed to be going a little bit harder um, than the 121, considering he was in there for so long. Uh, Mayank Agarwal 
sort of with the 26. But um, really looking at uh, the guys coming in, Nicholas Puran, who uh, obviously did that magnificent piece of fielding that we've seen um, on our screens over the last week or so, where he caught the ball and threw it back into the field wall while he was in mid-air. Um, he, he sort of gave the, the innings a bit of impetus with 33 off 17. Glenn Maxwell, not the big show at the moment. He's had a couple of innings, but nothing too big to talk about. Uh, it came in and scored a few runs at the end along with Safraz Khan. But let's look at... Hang on, what's happening here? Sorry, just... Here we go. <laughs> I was looking for the rest of the scoreboard. But of course, they didn't need the rest of the scoreboard because they because the uh, CSK got the total without the loss of a wicket. And then we look at the uh, total, we've got 181, which is run down, with two overs and a bit to spare. So we've got Shane Watson, uh, his best innings of the match, 83 uh, at the strike rate of 156. And Fafta getting his high score for this tournament at 87 uh, off 164. And keep a note of that. We'll talk about FAF a little bit later, or not not too far away, actually, when we look at the runs and who scored what and who's at the top of the ladder. So there we go. CSK actually winning that one quite comfortably. I think um, Kings Eleven will be looking at that one thinking, yep, we needed to go harder earlier. We just didn't really get the runs on the board that we thought we should have. Or what they said, they would have been happy at halftime, but in hindsight, the end of the game, they look at Kyle Raul at strike rate in there so long probably needed to boost that a bit well quite a bit actually not a bit so we're moving along and we go to the most run scorers and there is Kehal Rahul at the top of the table and he scored 302 runs and he's just pipped Faf by about three runs now here's the interesting thing if we have a look at Kehal Rahul he's got two big scores he's had five innings but he's got two big scores one of them's 132 and the other one, which we just saw, was 60-odd. So when we look at Faf's um, innings, he scored nearly the same amount of runs, but his high score's 87. And we look, go across to his average at 74. So he's actually consistently hitting runs in his innings. Um, he's not just, it's not just been an innings of, uh, sorry, one big innings that has got him those runs. He's actually scored the, a few innings there to get, to his total of 299, and obviously maintaining that average as well across those innings. So being a bit more consistent. Like, and um, But I think one thing we can notice, we talked about this last week as well, if we look within the top 10, we're seeing a great smattering of actual, well, we'll call them home-based, home-grown players. I know they're not playing in India, but uh, we've got, KL Rahul, uh, Mayank Agarwal, Rohit Sharma, Shreyas Ayer, um, Surya Kumar, uh, Kumar Ayadav, Pritiv Shaw, Devdutt, Padikal, all in the... So lots of Indian names making up, and new ones too. I mean, like, not just... I mean, got um, Rohit Sharma, obviously well-known, but um, KL Rahul, he's been around a bit, but still not the big names. But um, some of the younger fellas coming through and uh, making their mark in terms of um, this IPL. If we now look at, we're just going to go into the uh, most runs we've got. Where's the strike rate? It's gone. I've got ugh, batting strike rate. There we go. Now we have a look, and let's look at the strike rates. Here's the power hitters of what we're seeing at the moment. Chiron Pollard at the top of the list there, 
208. Now, if we look at it, his highest has been um, 60. He's had five innings, so he's he's, it's, it's, he's getting a quite a few not outs if his average is 163. So he's not only got a high strike rate, but he's managing to actually not lose his wickets. He's got four not outs out of the five innings. So um, there's a great asset there for the Mumbai Indians. Um, and actually, keep an eye on that. Um, I'm just actually quickly going to jump back to the runs. I'm just going to see if we have a look. We've got Rohit Sharma for the Indians and uh, Surya Kumar Yadav um, featuring for the um, for the Indians. But uh, if we keep an eye out, they, they've got key players in all of the tables that are featuring at the top of the table. And obviously here at the strike rate, probably one of the more important um, stats in T20, Kyron Pollard at 208, again for the Mumbai Indians. And again, four not outs, 163 average. 163 runs scored. So he's getting in there and he's um, finishing off innings. He's coming in as a finisher. Marcus Stoinis, near just, just short of the 200 strike rate. Um, and again, not a bad average um, there for 41. And so there's some pretty high averages there and, and some pretty high strike rate. So when you've got a high strike rate and a high average, your team's going to be doing pretty well. And the Mumbai Indians are definitely doing that. Moving on to the bowling, and we'll move to the wickets. Now, things have changed a little bit from last week. When we looked at the table last week, the spinners were pretty much flavour of the day. And um, they, they've they sort of uh, fallen a little bit off the uh, wickets taken. Now, we look at Rabada as um, top of the table there. And we look at it. He's from the, the, for the Delhi Capitals um, with 12 wickets. But look at the next three. The next three highest wicket takers all from the Mumbai Indians. Jasprit Bumrah, Trent Bolt, and James Patterson. Jasprit Bumrah picking up four wickets in the last match. Uh, in his, I can't remember who it was, actually. Um, he, he came into the last over, and he'd only gone for about 12 runs. Unfortunately, he went for a few runs in that, but he'd taken, he got the last wicket and wrapped up the match in that over. I think it might have been Jofra Archer that might have actually been the one that uh, hit a few runs before he um, holed out. Trent Bolt with 10 wickets. James Pattinson with 9 wickets. So Mumbai Indians are going to be featuring at the top of the table if you got your wicket, if you got your bowlers taking wickets like they are. And when we look at their economy rates, Jasper Boomer's a little bit high. Um, that would have been pulled down with the match the other day where he went for, it was rather economical, only went for five runs and over. But Trent Bolt, James Patterson's in the sevens. And when you're looking at fast bowlers and uh, T20 going for sevens, you're going to take that. You're going to get some unlucky edges here and there and some lucky hits. So um, going at sevens, I think they'll be happy, especially when they're looking at the number of wickets that they're um, picking up as well. Moving along to the most economical bowling figures. And this is where the um, spinners are still in favour. So we saw last week where they're actually at um, the top end of the wicket table as well. But one thing that they haven't fallen off is the economy table. Now, when we look at it, Akshar Patel, and last week was Washington Sundar uh, that was top of the table. But look at it, Akshar Patel, 4.57 runs per over. That's just crazy good. Now, yeah, Washington Sundar is still at 4.8. Absolutely crazy good as well. Amazing to see um, the fact that these guys, when we look at all of the top 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 ten um, bowlers going um, under eight runs and over, but then you look at the top five bowlers and 
geez, they're, they're basically going at fives, and that's just crazy for a T20 match. And consistency, when we look at it, you look at um, Patel, the top under the played four matches, the played five matches, they're bowling um, quite a few overs, so it's not like they've just bowled one or two overs. They're going along pretty well. Again, we look at it, we've got um, good smattering of the Indians coming through as well as the internationals. Um, Rashid Khan, um, obviously um, from Afghanistan, Mohammed Nabi, um, waving the uh, Afghani flag there, um, doing really well. From a um, New Zealand point of view, definitely good to see Trent Bolt um, up there. We've got um, the series with West Indies, I think, kicking off um, not too far away once the IPL's over. So uh, we look forward to Bolty coming back with uh, that same form. So I think that's, uh, we're just looking at, um, looking at most four wickets. Got Boomer, who's, uh, we talked about Rabada, obviously one of the reasons why they've uh, up there with the table, uh, top of the table, we've got uh, Rabada's picked up, um, actually, uh, what's going on here? This is a bit confusing, sorry. I'm not sure what what the table is. But anyway, yeah, they've got uh, Jasper Boomer and um, Rabada, because, Kagiso Rabada um, with one four for each. And then I think the table just goes crazy. <laughs> Anywho, moving on to the table, and let's see who's at the top of the table. And there we go. Um, I said to keep an eye on those figures around the Mumbai Indians, and they are at the top of the table. Well, sort of. But having your three... Having... Three top wicket takers in the top four, I think, is um, helping them pick up those Ws, particularly be happy with three Ws in a row there to now that they've got the ball rolling. So um, in saying that, the Delhi Capitals in second place, I would have thought they might have actually been ahead of the Indians considering that they've only played five games and are on the same number of points. And uh, the Calcutta Knight Riders bringing up third place there, along with the Royal Challengers Bangalore on six. Still very tight, I think. It's still early days. Um, I think we'll, uh, next week for sure, we're going to start to see a pattern where if you're Kings 11, um, you're going to start to worry a bit. You want to start getting some wins under your belt. Otherwise, uh, it's going to be just making up the numbers. So time for uh, Kings 11 to pull, um, pull finger. I think OJ was a Kings 11 fan, so He'll be um, hoping they'll sort of be uh, pulling thing, uh, pulling their socks up and uh, getting a few Ws in the wins column this week so that they come up the table. Mumbai Indians will be looking to carry on with their form to stay at the top of their table. And uh, if their batters, the likes of Kyron Pollard, keep smashing the ball around like they have been and the um, bowlers of Boomerang, Bolt and Co. keep picking up the wickets, they're probably going to see them next week at the top of the table as well. So that's our IPL wrap for this week. So yes, we we're, um, we're we're flying along in the old uh, show today, and uh, yeah, we're going to run out a bit of topics today. But um, I have did, did have something ready. That's okay. We've got, as I mentioned in the news. Um, We've got that series that I think we'll be all looking forward to, uh, Australia versus India in Australia. Now, over the last, I don't know how many years now, India-Australia battles have been absolute crackers. 
Um, especially now that India like have got a fast bowling attack, which works in Australia. You know, they're they they they're, they're um they've got the firepower to match the Australian quicks in Australia. We've talked about this in previous shows on numerous occasions. You go to Australia, you got fast bouncy pitches, and you got quick Australian bowlers, and uh, you need to fight fire with fire. And quite a lot of teams uh, fall over when it comes to that. Well, India have a bowling lineup that can match it. And then if there's spinning options with Ashwin in the test matches in particular, you've got someone that's got the spinning option to, to match Nathan Lyon. I'd still probably rate Nathan Lyon uh, being, you know, the, the premier out of the two teams, uh, spinner that is. But, um, you know, you've got the options. They've got the variety to bring in. To, to take in against Australia. Anywho, the first the the, te- the before they play the test, they'll be playing as I mentioned in the news the ODI series. So that'll be kicking off on the twenty fifth of December uh, November with a day nighter. They're all day nighters um, in at the Gabba in Brisbane. Now, I'm not sure what the situation is in Australia. I know Melbourne obviously has had lockdown. They're starting to talk about coming out of lockdown, but with the rest of Australia has been carrying on pretty much as normal. I'm not sure what the crowd situation is or whether they've still got limitations around the crowds, but they'll basically be playing all three ODI matches at the Gabba. Now, that'll be interesting because um, we've always thought that they've always played the first game in a series at the Gabba because just mentioning that bouncy pitch and their quicks, it, it works out well. You get the opposition coming in harass them and get the ball flying around their throat, flying around chest high um, against the opposition who are coming in fresh. So it'll be interesting. You're playing three games at the Gabba. Maybe Australia gets away with that first one. After that, does India adjust? And then they basically uh, sort of like game on from there. How about the Indian bowlers? We've talked about how they've got the quicks to be able to fight fire with fire. How will they come and land and will they be on the dot I'm ready to go and uh, start firing it back at the Australian batsman. So that'll be an interesting one to see and look forward to that um, sort of starting 25th of November. So what are we looking at? Basically about seven weeks away before that starts. And obviously we've got to finish the IPL, got to get the players over there, finish the quarantining and then into the cricket. Once those ODIs are finished, there'll be a very short break, a few days, and they jump into the T20 at the Adelaide Oval. Now, I'm not sure. It'll be interesting to see whether the two teams rotate their players. I'm thinking they'll probably bring, well, India will bring quite a sizable squad, like most um, sporting teams do these days at the moment. You're taking large and enlarging squads around because you don't have the luxury to fly somebody in at the drop of a hat. They have to go through quarantine protocols. So they are flying with larger squads. So the fact that India will have a larger squad, will they rotate their players? Will Australia also um, rotate the players that they, they have? When they look at further down the season, they are going to be playing a test series against South Africa whilst they play at the same time a T20 series against New Zealand. So will they take this opportunity to, to make sure that those T20 players 
that we're playing against New Zealand actually get enough game time against some good opposition. So that'll kick off on the 4th of December. Um, two day gaps between, or day days of one day off between those before the last one in the 8th of December. Moving on, and then basically, I think you know, at the end of the day, for me, it's all about test matches, and particularly with these two teams, they've had some awesome battles, uh, test series battles over the last few seasons, over the past few years. Um, and this will be no different, I don't think. Uh, they'll be starting off, as I mentioned, a day nighter pink ball test in Adelaide, uh, to start the game, start the series off now. Though it'll be an interesting one because they would have just played the three T20s in Adelaide and they're going to jump into that day nighter uh, against uh, in, in Adelaide as well with the pink ball. I think this will be a great chance to see. We've, we've, seen, we've seen a few um, pink ball tests now in Australia. Um, there is the talk about that twilight session and how the pink ball seems to get a bit more action on it in that session i think um we've unfortunately we've had teams that don't seem to have taken advantage australia when they've had that twilight session they've definitely taken advantage of it other teams that have played pink ball tests there don't seem to have it'll be interesting how india adapt if they get the opportunity to bowl in the twilight and see whether they are able to take a, um, advantage of those uh, conditions in the twilight where you can get a bit more swing happening in particular now moving on after the adelaide pink ball test will be the traditional melbourne boxing day test now there, here's here is the issue with the melbourne boxing day test as i said i think things are getting better in melbourne i'm guessing by the time that december th uh, 26 rolls around there will be different criteria in melbourne whether those the criteria will be relaxed enough to allow the Boxing Day test to go ahead is an unknown. If, for some reason, the Boxing Day test is unable to be played, that game will be played at the Sydney Cricket Ground. And they will have back-to-back -back tests at the Sydney Cricket Ground where they will basically have the Boxing Day test and the New Year's Day test. Now, interestingly enough, I look at the dates there. I'm not sure... If the, the dates that I'm looking at... Sorry, I should have brought this up. I apologise profusely. Bring that up. Uh, there, we've got... Um, you'll see that the Boxing Day test starting on the 26th, which is Boxing Day, obviously. Um, usually, you've got the um, the second test starting around the uh, New Year's because it's called the New Year's Day test sort of thing. So uh, after a few days off in, in Melbourne, and they usually start qu quite quickly. But... Uh, there's a bit of a gap there. So there is a gap um, after the Boxing Day test, which could be played in Sydney, um, to the actual Sydney test. And they'll be wrapping it up where they started in the, on the in the fourth test on the 19th of January, or 15th of January, at the Gabba. So they will be going back to a bouncy pitch at the Gabba, which will be wrapping things up. And uh, hopefully, um, it's still a competition going. Uh, and it's all maybe tied up by the time we get to uh, the Gabba and it's winner takes all. It's always an interesting with a four-test uh, four um, series because you've got the good opportunity these days in particular where a lot of tests get results, especially in Australia, where you'll get good weather to complete it, um, where you'll get uh, results. So uh, you could go into 
a, a four test match series with two all, which is always a bit interesting. Anywho, that's the uh, Australia um, test, uh, sorry, Australia India series, starting off with uh, one dayers, T20s, followed by the test matches. And that's all I really had prepared for today. <laughs> so, and we haven't had any too many comments coming through um, into uh, the uh, chat through the chat rooms. Um, so, um, not really a lot more to talk about. Um, might just uh, sort of have a look at uh, what we've got coming in. Just back this up to the IPL. Back to the IPL there. And uh, what do we got? The uh, eighth. So we've got um, to, tomorrow morning. We're going to see. The Sunrisers versus the Kings Eleven. Now we've just talked about the Kings Eleven uh, and how they are basically going to have to um, pull finger. So there's the um, squads, this little thing preview. A little thinking. We'll just bring that up. Or no, I won't because then I can look like I know what I'm talking about. Um, you got to said they've got five minutes. What Sunrisers have lost their first two games of the season against the um, Challengers. Royal Challengers, Bangalore, uh, and the Kolkata Knight Riders. So they and then they bounce back. So they'll be looking to uh, carry that on after the bounce back and uh, complete a hat trick of wins to follow on from those early defeats. Um, coming into this is it Kings Eleven. They'll be seeking to break a three-match losing streak. Now you don't want to get on to uh, a losing streak, do you? Because uh, the problem with a losing streak is that you start to just basically carry on losing. So Kings Eleven will be ending uh, the on, on ended on the what was that Kings Eleven ended on the losing side of a Super Over Thriller in their first game against the Delhi Capitals. Um, well, they probably butchered that one to be honest, and they should have won it. Uh, they defeated RCB in the second game. However, KL Rahul and Co have lost three in a row, as I mentioned before. So although KL Rahul is at the top of the batter's table. He needs to basically uh, get a big score again at a high strike rate, put some big runs on the board um, for the Kings 11 to pull through on that one. Now, I'm just going to see if this, uh, this is going to be played in Dubai. So it won't be at the postage stamp of uh, Charger. Uh, club cricket. Yep, club cricket's going to be kicking off. Good point. So... Club cricket's kicking off this, uh, well, on the 31st, October 31st. Warm-up games happening this week. I know that uh, QMU has a warm-up game against a um, team from the northern region, uh, from Whangarei Subunion, um, up at, um, actually, uh, north of Auckland, actually. So I think they're going halfway each to, to, to play their game. So that'll be played by QMU out at, having their warm-up game. I don't know how I know about QMU's um, warm-up games. Maybe because we've got a few people from QMU that come on the show. So, yep, that'll be kicking on 31st of uh, October. Make sure you get out to the grounds. Now, right here on Swinging from the Hips through um, New Zealand Sport Radio, we're hoping to actually get some live um, interviews through those games. What we're hoping for is just a couple of chats with the perspective, uh, respective captains before the games start. Um, we'll have a chat with some key players at half time, and um, hopefully, if there's some fifers and fifties and hundreds, we'll get a chat with the players that have got those 
um, as well. So make sure you stay tuned and keep your phone handy because we will be putting those little snippets. They won't be longer than two or three minutes, just quick interviews um, around club cricket. Now, if you're listening to this outside of Auckland, please get in touch with us because we'd love to get those club cricket updates from around New Zealand as well. These are predominantly um, going to be club cricket games in Auckland that we'll be able to get updates from, but we'd love to be able to get a club cricket updates from around the country. So if you're in a position to be able to attend club cricket games, get in touch with us so we can talk to you about getting your bit of footage and interviews so that we can put them up. Um, Kuiper Cricket Club is where that is going to be held. So uh, if, you, if you feel like a, a bit of a, a feed um, and some good Indian food on a barbie, head on up to the Kuiper Cricket Club because uh, there'll be, I'm sure the boys will throw you a, a, a lamb chop or an, and a beer if you come up to watch the game. Um, as uh, also the Plunkett Shield. Now, I'm at 18th of uh, October. That's kicking off. So that's very soon. Now, as I mentioned, that's going to be played at three grounds. Now, I'm just going to try and see if I can bring up Plunkett Shield 2021 and see if we get anything coming up in terms of the schedule. Here we go. Oh, that's candy. So the page I go to hasn't got it. Let's see, NZC. Have they got it? Here we go, NZC. Oh, this is handy. There we go. Okay, so interestingly enough, they announced that it's going to be starting, the first round's going to be starting on um, the 18th. But when I bring this up, uh, oh, damn it, add to the stream. Bring up there. Let's go. Click the right buttons. Click the right buttons. Um, right, so as we can see, uh, it's actually kicking off on the 19th, according to the schedule that I've just pulled up, and that's from NZC. So Northern Districts will be playing the Stags at Seddon Park in Hamilton for their first game of the season. Now, that will be interesting, see what side Northern rolls out. I'm sort of thinking, obviously, players, some key Northern players, will, Trent Bolt, for example, will still be involved in the IPL, but that could be a lot of black caps in that one. Um, in that northern side, starting off. Uh, Wellington Firebirds taking on Canterbury at the Basin Reserve. And again, that'll be interesting. We've got um, Devin Conway, who's now eligible for the Black Caps, and I'll be looking forward to seeing Devin Conway coming out there. And also Finn Allen, who's uh, moved from Auckland Aces down to the Wellington Firebirds as well. Auckland Aces will be taking on the Otago Vaults at the Outer Oval at Eden Park. Hopefully, I'll be able to get along to that and might, might be able to. That's starting on the 20th, so that's starting a day later. Um, we'll try and get along to Eden Park and see if we can get a bit of footage or some interviews happening there as well. And we'll see how that goes. Uh, we'll put that. That's the first round of Plunkett Shield. That's not too far away, basically about 10 days away, just over 10 days away from the start of um, Plunkett Shield. So that's. Uh, Yep, Simon, that's all right, mate. I've been all by here by myself anyway. So um, if you've got anything to talk about, Simon, quickly post it up here so we can, we've can. we got something to talk about because I've run out of content again by myself. Although I'm saying that, I've made it through to 53 minutes, which is not bad. I can't, I can't say I'm, I'm not do, doing too badly there. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, just going to go on to the... Let's see. Just going to see... Oh, that didn't work for me. Just 
nothing near really initial seeing if there's anything coming up here now that's basically it guys so um i think i'll wrap it up there for the evening and uh thanks to the guys that tuned in and uh hopefully i haven't bored you too much and i've uh kept you entertained and um we'll see you around remember we've got um no show on next week uh we will be on the 19th of october i'll make sure i get that date right don't want to put your crook yep the 19th is our new night that will be coming in on mondays um hopefully i won't be alone since i've moved it to the 19th to be able to so that the guys can join me um so yeah no show next week uh we will be our next show will be the 19th of october it's the monday and um We'll be going swinging from the hip once again then. Um, in the meantime, make sure you tune in to um, all our shows happening during the week. Um, one more time on Monday night, we're driving more for the rugby um, fix. Um, we're Tuesday nights with your basketball. Find out what's happening in those NBA playoffs happening at the moment. Can the Lakers uh, take that out? And Wednesday night, we've got the league show. Now, that's coming to the pointy end of the season. With the finals, um, Thursday night will be blank because swinging from the hip will be coming in on Monday. Friday night we'll have the preview for the um, uh, rugby. And in fact, tune in tomorrow night because we'll be talking uh, All Blacks Australia test, which is happening on Sunday this weekend. Re Sunday night we'll review that first test um, as well. Um, and then, of course, every morning we've got the morning sports briefing on New Zealand Sport Radio, as all those other shows are. So make sure you're tuned in here on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and we'll see you next Monday night, the 19th, for more Swinging from the Hip for your cricketing fix. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of non-stop hydration for silky, smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. 
Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. So you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code SUMMER.